Living Corporate is brought to you by Canaries. Let me tell you about Canaries. Canaries is a tech company formed in 2018 by black founders who experienced inequities in the corporate world like most of us in the workplace. They saw typical diversity initiatives, but knew that to create systemic change, diversity, equity, and inclusion needed to be done differently. They're still ahead of the curve, focusing on the E and the I using a data-driven approach. Think Canary in the Coal Mine. The name is a nod to the canaries coal miners used to bring into mines to determine if the work environment was safe or undesirable. That's what they do for companies. They help you find the folks you need to listen to, the canaries, who will help you diagnose, measure, and attack your DEI challenges. Canaries has your back. Check them out at www.canaries.com backslash employer. That's www.kanarys.com backslash employer. Living Corporate is brought to you by Black Men in Tech. Black Men in Tech's mission is to elevate the voice of black men in the technology space by offering year-round engagement opportunities and philanthropic contributions for people and the black community, the neighborhood. In the tech industry, black men regularly struggle to access networking and career advancement opportunities. At Black Men in Tech 2021, they are partnering with their allies to create a safer space where black men can share their experiences authentically. Through this effort, Black Men in Tech hopes to share knowledge that can be used by black attendees to overcome race-based obstacles while also offering non-black allies the chance to learn how they can be more supportive of their melanated colleagues. To learn more about the Black Men in Tech conference that will be happening on June 19th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, check them out at blackmenintech.com. That's B-L-K-M-E-N-I-N-T-E-C-H dot com. Black Men in Tech. What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate, and we're here. You know, it's interesting. Um, folks have been asking, and I, I realize we don't do a good enough job about marketing our merch, uh, but it's popping. All right. So shout out to the people that have gotten the merch. If you haven't already, link in the show notes, livingcorporate.shop, livingcorporate.shop. We got mugs, hoodies. We got stuff for your baby stuff for your kids got tank tops for the summertime we also like i said we got the hoodies because hoodies are low-key year-round i mean i don't know i love a good hoodie even in the summertime in the house right because i keep my house cold and i like feeling snuggled you know what i'm saying i'm a i'm a snuggly dude i'm gonna be honest i'm a, I'm a nice guy i really am for real don't let these uh radical uh leftist pods <laughs> have you think i'm not a nice guy i am um look today's podcast is gonna be really dope I'm really excited because we were able to connect with Andre Blackman. Andre is a friend of uh, the show. He's been following Living Corporate and really supporting Living Corporate from afar, like since we started a couple years ago. Great conversation that we had. He's an incredible brother doing some incredible things at Onboard Health. Um, really dope insights around health equity, inclusion, executive leadership. And again, applying that in the healthcare industry in the space, um, just brilliant, frankly. So I'm not even going to waste a bunch of time. I want us to get right to this. But before we do that, though, we're going to tap in with Tristan. See you in a second.
what's going on living corporate it's tristan and i want to thank you for tapping back in with me as i provide some tips and advice for professionals today i want to discuss considering a job in the cannabis industry within the last 12 months the cannabis industry has created over 33,000 jobs nationwide making the legal marijuana business the fastest growing industry in america with such impressive growth, many black people and other marginalized job seekers may want to consider a role in the emerging industry. While working in the cannabis industry isn't as taboo as it used to be, it still comes with some stigma. So it's important to understand the potential risks and rewards of joining a somewhat non-traditional industry. First, consider the risks. There are varying attitudes about marijuana and marijuana usage that can have a detrimental effect on your personal and professional relationships if you choose a career in cannabis. Consider the gravity of these risks and understand what initiatives potential employers may have to help address the historical racial inequities and stigma surrounding marijuana. Second, learn more about the plant. With more states legalizing recreational use of marijuana, there has been increased research, education, and advocacy funding aimed towards responsible use and regulation. Gain an understanding of the plant and its powerful applications across food, fuel, and medicine. Third, know the laws. According to the federal government, marijuana is classified as a Schedule I drug, making it illegal. However, 18 states, two territories, and the District of Columbia have enacted legislation for adult use. Understand your state's laws, state-to-state -state regulation, and employment eligibility. Fourth, consider the variety of careers. There are different positions within the cannabis industry besides cultivating and selling in a dispensary. As the industry grows, more traditional roles in finance, marketing, operations, sales, and more are beginning to pop up. So take some time to figure out what positions are open in your area and align with your background and transferable skills. Fifth, evaluate the economic opportunity. Cannabis is expected to surge into a $50 billion market by 2026, and the economic benefits, job growth, investment, licensing, and ancillary industries continue to support this trajectory. The rapid growth of the cannabis industry is a testament to how much people are willing to adapt and push the boundaries of what a traditional career looks like. Just make sure you're considering all aspects before diving in. This tip was adapted from an article titled How the Cannabis Industry is Establishing Itself as a Top Employer, written by Margot Elise for The Well, which can be read at the link in the show notes. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn. At Living Corporate, we often talk about how we as black folks show up at work and how these corporate power structures impact how we show up. But we know when work ends, we come home, log off and have to show up at home for our families and communities. And as a black man, I often turn to Let's Talk, bruh, for the real, honest and healing conversations on black masculinity, mental health and patriarchy. Let's Talk, bruh, or LTB is a platform that creates content around black masculinity and the impact of patriarchy in black communities. In other words, Let's Talk Bruh is having real conversations that black men need to hear and be a part of. Let's Talk Bruh creates interactive, healing, and learning experiences with black men and male socialized folks of all sexual orientations and gender identities. Through their content and community-based programs, 
Let's Talk Bruh seeks to reduce patriarchal violence in our community and provide support to those most impacted by patriarchal violence, specifically black women, girls, femmes, queer, trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming people. Tap in at letstalkbruh.com. To be clear, that's letstalkbruh.com. So brothers, what are you waiting for? Let's talk, bruh. Andre, what's going on, man? Welcome to the show. Good morning, Zach. Happy to be here, brother. I'm really, really excited to, to do this today. You know what's wild is, um, you know, you, you, we talked off mic. You were talking about it's like been like a year in the making. I remember um, when we first got connected and I was like, man, he shows me a lot of love on here. And, um, you know, I was just running like back and forth, back and forth. But of course, I keep my eye on things. And shoot, man, you got uh, Forbes 40 under 40 in healthcare. <laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, last year uh, or Fortune. Uh, I know the, the two get Fortune, kind of excuse me. But yes. yeah, no, it's all good. Yeah. Fortune, um, you know, last year was was crazy for all of us. Right. And so Fortune decided to actually expand a little bit more about, you know, the, the their kind of, you know, lens on Fortune's, you know, 40 to 40, you know, and actually did a little bit more um, people than they usually do. And so like, this is one of the things that you know, healthcare has always been a, a vertical in there. And so uh, I was just really excited to to be a part of that, that kind of cohort, that kind of class. And it worked out really well. So yeah, I've been, I've been moving things around, man. Um, and, and it's been really, really exciting uh, in a lot of different ways. You know, it's, it's been interesting, you know, one, when we talk about this past year, um, and all of the like, just everything that's been happening, right? From like a black, entrepreneurial perspective and like folks really like venturing away from their jobs uh, to like really just the reality uh, and how uh, this pandemic has exacerbated um, centuries long historical inequities to concerns around the vaccine to like this political landscape just been frankly too much going on like you said uh, before we got on started recording it's been like 20 years in a year yeah, I mean, and in so many different ways, there's so many layers to this, right? I mean, but the last year, I think, did a lot of different things for, um, you know, if you're looking at it from the public health lens, right? I mean, you know, being able to see, you know, why public health is so important to invest into um, and to kind of make sure that we have something that we're doing is so incredibly important, you know, especially with the pandemic and the virus. But the other thing was that they had, you know, just kind of personal revelations um, at the same time, you know, especially for me around how I'm showing up right now, because one of the things that public health, you know, oftentimes shows are the cracks in our society and, you know, in, in, in our kind of communities, right? And so, you know, my whole background is in public health, right? Looking at prevention, looking at community health, engagement, education, that sort of thing too. And so one of the things that we've always been taught to prepare for are these kind of, you know, disaster preparedness kind of situations. And, you know, with the pandemic here, we saw really quick the cracks in our society when it comes to prevention and equipping all communities to stay healthy, right? So as soon as the pandemic started rolling out, um, and as, as soon as it got down to, you know, like the Southern states with, you know, which traditionally have the most health inequities, right? This is when we start to see mortality rates start to skyrocket, right? You know, when it got down to Louisiana and, you know, and, and those kind of southern states as well, right? Like, that's when we start seeing mortality rates really kind of skyrocket. 
And so when we saw the pandemic really starting to um, kind of move down in the South, like it, it really started catching attention, right? And so, you know, this is one of the things that from my public health lens, at least, um, what was something that I knew was going to be something that was going to be big, especially now that we're seeing health equity um, skyrocket. And so, you know, all sorts of different things, you know, from that lens, um, and obviously from the racial injustice kind of piece with George Floyd, right? Just all those kind of things mixing together was this kind of perfect storm to say, okay, you know, we need to take a pause right now um, and to really kind of take a look. Oftentimes, you know, you know, the, the, the country sweeps things underneath the rug, as I'm sure, you know, the listeners and you have seen just, you know, over the past several years. Um, but this is something that was right in front of our faces right now. And so that's that's been you know really impressed upon me right now is that these are things that have always been there, right? Especially in healthcare, we we can definitely dive on into that, and especially you know why I'm I'm doing what I'm doing right now. But you know a lot of these narratives and historical aspects, um, you know, in healthcare and medicine, um, are on front you know display right now. And so that's that's why I'm really looking forward to this conversation, but also the the change that that I'm hoping to see. Yeah, you know, we talk about, to your point around public health, there has been more and more focus on, and of course, there's been um, like, you know, a systemic level of white lash against it, but focus on public health and really examining how these systems for centuries have been inequitable, if if not, frankly, just outright oppressive uh, for black and brown communities. You're often brought into and and your, your perspective is sought out, sought after by several different organizations and institutions um, really looking to make sure they're doing this right, or at the very least, check a box if they got a black person to say something. <laughs> Talk to me about, you know, the types of conversations you're having and the sorts of things that you're seeing um, institutions really be curious about, or even have uh, they they may just really be broadly missing the mark on. Yeah, Zach. I mean that that's a great question. I mean, last year, you know, like I mentioned, like just opened up the box um, on you know things that we could no longer you know toss a couple you know um, talking points at press clips, whatever. Like that wasn't going to cut it anymore. And you know, as we we're seeing kind of the the unrest happening across the country, you already know, like you know, it's going to like move over into the workplace, right? People are at home. People are watching un- injustice on the television screen. And for all intents and purposes, the whole fact that, you know, work is now in our homes, right, is going to like make sure that how we're feeling about what's happening in life, um, what we're seeing on these screens are also going to translate into our work, right? And so this is when you start seeing a lot of corporate leaders, you know, trying to figure out, okay, we're we're seeing this happening, you know, A, at the beginning of it, right? Like our, our employees are plugged into the screen right now, not, you know, not, maybe not working and are looking at the news and trying to figure out what's going on with the pandemic, but also after George Floyd, right? It was, there's so much, you know, um, activity going on, right? But when it went into the workplace, a, a couple of things start happening, right? How much of this do we need to really pay attention to, right? That, that's usually the, the first part, you know, is this, is this a problem, right? And then now, what do we do about it? And so, People came to me, you know, obviously we're, what we're doing at Onboard Health has a lot to do with, um, with hiring and um, building teams and things of that nature, too. So a lot of the first wave that came to me was, hey, Andre, we, we get it now. Uh, we're, we're looking at our team page. Um, yeah, we, we, we know this is important. Um, can you help us find like a person of color uh, to join our board or to join us? Like, how do we how do we do this? How, how can we hire somebody right now? And so I had to, you know, 
I had to really kind of slow down, slow the conversation down, Zach. Right. Right. Because, you know, first and foremost, my, my main question was, why do you think this is important right now? Right. And the first 30 seconds of those responses usually are telling enough about where leaders are um, on this spectrum. Right. You know, for all intents and purposes, you know, we know how this looks and we don't want to seem like, you know, we're insensitive. Right. You know, that that's that's usually kind of like the the default response. And so. For me, what I learned all through those kind of first couple months was that, you know, okay, Andre, where do you stand on this? Where is where is onboard health going to be on this, right? First and foremost, I've spent, you know, my entire career building, you know, an amazing network and ecosystem of people um, who are building the future of health. Um, and especially for the, for the community that we're building at onboard health right now, um, I'm definitely not throwing people into a hot mess. Uh, or a chaotic situation um, at a workplace, um, it, and 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 moreover, um, you know, especially in a place that is going to be hostile to um, to people of color, right? right. Um, I'm not going to be throwing people into just just to be opportunistic, um, you know, and to check a box. Uh, usually for people who uh, just want to give you the kind of the thumbs up and and not, you know, kind of let out a sigh of relief that we're not looking racist, right? So a big part of me showing up last year um, was saying, hey, first and foremost, appreciate you reaching out. Secondly, have you done the homework that you need to to figure out, you know, what the long game is? And do you even know what you're talking about when it comes to this? Right. Oftentimes, a lot of healthcare leaders understand, yeah, we need to reach diverse populations. Right. And for for a long time. Right. And I've been in the public health space, a lot of CDC campaigns. Right. Like it's a it's a demographic play. Right. Um, how do we create culturally competent uh, material um, for for these people that are, you know, suffering from? And then the, the kind of virtual scroll comes out, right? For some reason, Black people are suffering from diabetes, hypertension, right, right. Uh, you know, like HIV, like all those kind of different things, right? And so my focus was to say, like, hey, you know, hold up, right? You know, you think you might know, but you actually don't, right? So look at history, how has history actually been, you know, perpetuating um, exclusion by design, right? There's there's things that are happening here in our country right now that have actually been been put intentionally into place, and we're seeing that fallout right now, right? So first and foremost, before you start trying to say like, hey, we need a black leader um, or a Latina, you know, in our board so that we feel good about ourselves, right. like actually look at like what you're trying to build here. So, you know, this is, this is a big part of my learning last year, man, like where I had to really understand, you know, the why for a lot of the people that came out um, to, to ask for help. And so, you know, a lot of that was, was, you know, me helping people to just say like, Hey, here's some resources. I remember Mia Birdsong put out a book and I'll, I'll send you the link. So maybe we can put it in Let's the do show it, notes. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, like Mia Birdsong, I met her at the Aspen Ideas Festival in 2019 uh, really kind of talking about community um, and, and really kind of looking around each other on how we support and, and challenge each other, right? And so I remember she put together this kind of Google, or was sharing at least, this resource that had a lot of different kind of books and readings and learnings. Um, and, you know, for, for my from my perspective, I was sharing that with leaders to say like, hey, you probably need to understand a little bit more about the history in this country um, as it relates to the industry that you're in around medicine, right? Um, a lot of people go to the Tuskegee kind of, you know, experiment, right? right, right Looking right. at syphilis and and that sort of thing too. But there's so many other narratives and stories. Um, you know, Henrietta Lacks, if we're looking at life sciences, 
you know, and, and kind of, you know, biotech, right? Looking at genetics, um, you know, without, without Henrietta Lacks, you know, a lot of life sciences and clinical trials and their progress wouldn't even be here today, you know, once again, due to a black woman, right? You know, those kind of stories. And now obviously people are learning about like, oh, you know, something happened um, in Tulsa, right? right you know, like right. What, what, what was that about? So all that to say is, you know, that was a big part of like my own awakening around being very intentional about who we work with, you know, but but also seeing the voices and leaders start to, to stand up and stand out, right? CNN was flooded by amazing people like Dr. Uche Blackstock, right? Yes. Who actually left academic medicine yes. and has become just a rocket ship, yes. right? Around, you know, around equitable access to vaccines. Her twin sister, Dr. Oni Blackstock, also uh, just legendary um, in New York City around HIV AIDS. She was the, the bureau chief over there as well. Um, and just starting to see some really credible uh, voices start to come up, you know, talking about, you know, the the, the vaccine shots and, and, you know, making sure that, you know, there's equity lenses being put around these kind of things. And so, um, you know, that's a big part of what we've been seeing in the healthcare and medicine space from a patient kind of advocacy and engagement play. But also, you know, our role at Onboard Health is really to build a more uh, diverse and, and inclusive workforce ecosystem to power an equitable future of health. And so, you know, where we come in is, you know, really looking at Yes, there's the hospitals and the clinics and the, the traditional healthcare and, and medical facilities. But where I've been at for the past, you know, 15 or so years has been more, um, you know, on the innovation side, right? Looking at how digital health um, is really kind of changing our landscape. And so obviously this naturally went into this kind of new era, right, of tech startups that are tackling things like mental health, sure. right? So Kevin Dedner in D.C. Um, is the CEO of Hurdle which is, you know, helping to uh, build a tech-enabled platform to um, connect Black men to mental health resources um, in a more seamless way. Uh, you know, and, and so mental health and behavioral health overall has, has definitely skyrocketed in importance after this, uh, this pandemic. You know, you said a few things there. First off, shout out to the Black Stocks. You know, um, they've both been uh, guests on Living Corporate. This was, uh, shoot, er earlier this year and last year, you know what I mean? So um, and then as it pertains to, you know, what you said earlier about, you know, not setting up folks, setting up folks to put in, be put in situations um, where, you know, it's going to be toxic or just not conducive to like their success. I hear that because it annoys me. I got there are times when I've been asked to be a part of things or he really wants your point, your point of view here. And you say something and they act like, you know, you're annoying or they don't really want to receive what you're saying. Okay, so then why did you why did you bring me in this space? Right. Like if you're not going to take my presence, my point of view, my perspective with any sort of gravitas. So then what? Oh, OK. This is just a dog and pony show. You know what I mean? So that's dope. Exactly. That's that's dope that you're yep. that you're doing that. And then to your other to your larger point around even like mental health, like, you know, that definitely resonates mm -hmm. with me as I think about, you know, even now, like I've talked I've talked to some different leaders like, you know, across different platforms that have that have applications and, and um, websites or apps really focused on mental health. And there's still a, a dearth of uh, content. There's still a lack of content when it comes to like black and brown mental health providers, like giving that context to black and brown people, making content that is accessible and re relevant to those on the margins, right? Like that is still hard to find. So there's still plenty of work to yeah. be done there. You know, you're speaking to the work but we really didn't talk about, we've yet to really, frankly, discuss onboard health. Like, talk to me about 
about onboard health, how it got started, your mission, the team, what you're excited about. Like, I'd love to hear more about it. The website is beautiful. The mission is great. But I want to make sure that we give you space to talk more about it. Oh, man, thank you so much, man. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the, the story started, um, you know, um, you know, me, you know, going after my public and community health degree in Maryland, you know, shouts to, um, you know, my mom for really kind of pushing me into a lot of STEM things. And, you know, initially I grew up in D.C., in the D.C., Maryland area, um, was was a huge STEM science and tech nerd, um, you know, worked at NASA um, my senior year in high school, thinking I was going to, you know, work on the International Space Station. So I was literally trying to become a rocket scientist and then, you know, took this course in Maryland around public health and, and tying it to, you know, what we're talking about here, this elective course around, you know, kind of community health. I was learning that at that point, this is around, you know, 2001, right, where I was learning that tuberculosis was coming back with a vengeance, particularly affecting the African-American community. And so in my mind, I'm like, wait a second, tuberculosis, like, then we get rid of that 2000 years ago. Right. Like, why is, why is that still around? But like, also like, why is it only affecting this particular community? And so that's what really activated my brain around public health and prevention and really kind of learning. This is, this is not, you know, what, what you learn about, you know, if you, if you go to medical school per se, right? Like I grew up around a lot of doctors. My parents are from the West Indies, Trinidad and Jamaica. And so, you know, I was like, oh yeah, I know, I know Western medicine, I know doctors, but this whole thing about prevention and public health is really curious to me. And so it, it made sense for me to prevent large groups of people from getting sick in the first place, then, you know, kind of treating them one, one by one after the fact, right? And so that, that made sense to me at that point. So, you know, over the past 15, 16 years, Zach, like I've been kind of in this space where public health pulled me in, you know, worked on a couple of different campaigns, um, you know, in those early parts of my career, um, like I mentioned that, you know, NIH, CDC, but then as I start to to kind of like work with communities, particularly, you know, more black and brown communities, I remember working on a project with the CDC called the I Know program. I'm not sure if you remember that about maybe 2007-ish. Nah, tell me about it. Yeah, so the I Know campaign was aimed at black Americans 18 to 24 to really talk to get their get them talking to partners about their status around HIV. Um, and that sort of thing, too. So it's like, you know, I know my status, we're in a healthy relationship, um, you know, and, and I can take precautions, you know, depending on, you know, what, you know, what my status is, right. But basically just opening up the conversation about your status, right. And, you know, once again, this is kind of trying to remove stigma and increasing more transparency um, in the public health landscape. So CDC rolled out this campaign in multiple different kind of, you know, ways, they contracted a number of different people, but where I was coming from was actually looking at it from the media lens on one hand and doing focus groups, right? So this is where they tapped um, Jamie Foxx and Alicia Keys as celebrity kind of engagement individuals. And I will never forget, Zach, I was doing this focus group and one of the young men that, that I was talking to was like, you know, Mr. Blackman, I completely understand why this is happening, you know, why this is so important. But Jamie Foxx? Nah, like that's, that's not relevant to me or right. for anybody that I know. Right. Um, for this campaign. This is hollow, right? And I will never forget that moment where, you know, multi-million dollar campaign and it's missing the mark, right? Who knew about these kind of different things, right? And this is after the fact that materials were created, right? Right. So this is not a co-creation kind of situation, right? So there's definitely that. And then on another side of this campaign, 
I actually um, got to tour a lot of HBCUs to talk about their students and how to get this message and this campaign going. And I was down at Clark Atlanta University and I was so blown away in a very positive way with the just the accuracy of students knowing their peers and knowing the behaviors and knowing the things that they need to do to actually engage their friends around these kind of different things. And one of the things that this taught me was that there's no substitute for being on the ground and actually talking to people, right? There's no technology, no social media, no app that can really kind of replace that. And so anyways, that that's one of the things that really, you know, kind of bolstered my career at that point. And then shortly after that, you know, started writing about uh, the intersection of digital and public health and healthcare on a blog called Pulse and Signal. I started that in 2007. And that's what really kind of gave me a platform around innovation, public health, health in general. And so this afforded me an opportunity to work alongside the White House and HHS, the Department of Health and Human Services, um, around a lot of social media campaigns. And so I became the, the social media and health guy, um, you know, on a number of these kind of things, being an advisor um, and all those kind of different things. And so for the next couple of years, I wrote, I spoke, I traveled to conferences, all that kind of good stuff as well, learning about this health 2.0 landscape that was opening up, right? Using technology to you know, equip hospitals and healthcare systems to do things um, more efficiently and better and things of that nature too. Um, and then fast forward, you know, did a couple of different things like the Fast Forward Health Film Festival in 2011, uh, where we, you know, brought, you know, film and documentaries um, that tackled things like the food, you know, food and health um, technology, the built environment, which is like cities, like how we live and work and play. And I just love all this kind of stuff that relates to how we live and move as humans and how that relates to our health impact. So fast forward to 2016 was the big year, um, got an invite to give the commencement address back at my alma mater, the School of Public Health at the University of Maryland College Park, go Terps. And that was a transformative moment for me, Zach, where I'm standing on stage with the teachers that poured into my life um, and now speaking to the lives of the outgoing class um, in 2016. And basically, you know, my challenge was to go out there and travel, see how people live, you know, what are the problems that they're having right now, learn about behavioral psychology, because all that is going to track back into the solutions that you build. And that's when I started really thinking about onboard health. And so basically, at this point, I'm thinking I've seen enough around, you know, venture back startups and technology building things. And I was like, you know what, the workforce that's going to be building the future of health is going to need to a look different, and it's going to need to be equipped better. Um, and so this is when I started thinking about onboard health, particularly from the diversity, equity, inclusion lens, especially as we've been seeing so much tracking around mental health and food and, you know, uh, how we how we drive and walk to work and things of that nature, too. It only makes sense that the leadership and the companies that are being built actually are representative of the communities that we're serving. Right. And so that's how Onboard Health really got started. It started out as a as a newsletter, um, some social media just to get people connected. And I, I love curating content. Um, and that's what really kind of started building the community. Um, and where we're at right now, you know, on one hand, we're still continuing to grow the onboard health community of individuals that, that represent, you know, all different groups around our country um, that have backgrounds in engineering and AI and UX, UI, design thinking, uh, business development, all those kind of different kind of modern skill sets that are now building the future of health. And then on the other hand, we are a specialized executive search an advisory firm for companies who are building the future of health. So we're working with, you know, venture-backed startups um, like Mommy out in Los Angeles. Uh, shouts to Melissa Hanna, who's the CEO 
Um, Serena Williams and Mark Cuban invested in Mommy in 2019. So they're tackling maternal health tech um, and care coordination. And I think, you know, most of us, you know, heard about Serena Williams story um, with her birth and just how, you know, how that was just kind of fraught with, you know, stigma and um, all sorts of just straight up racism, right, in the institution of, of, of medicine. Um, and so that was a big deal. And so we also work with larger cap organizations and venture capital funds that have portfolio companies as well. Um, and at the end of the day, this is really about saying, you know, we've heard that narrative. We don't know where to go to find, you know, talent, you know, that that is representative of our country. And my my whole mission is to say, like, nah, like <laughs> there are amazing leaders out here. And that's what we're kind of putting together um, right now as a, as a platform and an opportunity to make that happen. Man, first of all, Andre, man, you, you got a you got a knack for this, man. You be you you be packing it in there, right? <laughs> I know, man. I, I, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot. So, you know, a couple things I will say is it's interesting. Black and brown people, and particularly we're talking about black folks here right in this moment, but we've been ignored or undervalued so long that people really underestimate how much power there is in just like creating thoughtful content for them. Right. So like your earlier point around getting Jamie Foxx, like, oh, hey, we'll just slap this. Oh, we, oh, black people like Jamie Foxx. So we'll just, mm-hmm. right? Where, and it's like, no, you know, if you Man. just took like 20 more minutes and thought or hired somebody right. to like actually be thoughtful on how to really engage this audience, you would get value back, right? And so when I, when I, hear, when I hear what you're talking about when it comes to onboard health, it's like, it's really an exercise in, in expertise and care, right? Like I'm actually thinking through, hey, look, I'm not just going to get some big name because this is other. So it's interesting. There's like a game inside the game where there's the black and brown folks doing the actual work. And then there's like black and brown folks who white folks think are doing the work who get looks for stuff. And I know this is like, that might be an uncomfortable thing for some people to, to swallow, but it's true, right? Like Right. Like there's it's there's a difference in who gets the shine as if they're working and who's actually working. And th- and that there's a I don't know, th- there's a tension there that really I'm I'm excited about just this next season with technology and folks such as yourself and the black stocks and people who are actual they, like they're starting to really get the momentum um, to really be yeah. heard and seen. Like, you know, a- as you think about this season, you know, we're coming up on we're taking, you know, the vaccine. Uh, folk, folks are a lot of folks still are not taking the vaccine, of course. Um, we have this new Delta variant, uh, but we're not in the same place we were last year. You know, as you look at like yeah. this next, I don't know, six to 12 months. And as you think about even this new administration, what are the things that you're most anxious about, most curious about and most I'm going to say most hopeful about? Mm. Let me let me start with the hopeful. Um <laughs> I, I feel that with, with the hopeful piece, especially with this new administration, I want to say that there's less distraction, right? I mean, last year, there was just so much craziness going on that distracted people from literally the basics, right? Like, I think this is what happened, you know, last year, people really start to get back to the basics, start to check in with themselves, their families, their communities, things of that nature too, you know, but I think with this administration, we're not necessarily having to to look at you know tmz 
or something like that, or to hear about like the, the, the latest craziness that's going on and really start saying, you know, it's not going to be perfect, but Hey, can we get back to building like what needs to be done, you know, over here? So I think that's, that's what I'm hopeful is just as far as like off the top, like uh, just a, a better sense of, of purpose and actually getting things done the right way. Just the response around COVID and just having having some sort of credibility. I know some of the folks that, you know, join, um, you know, Biden's um, kind of COVID task force and things of that nature, too. And, you know, was really excited to see a lot of those kind of appointees um, get back in the mix. Um, a lot of former Obama administration folks that I knew who, who are, you know, powerhouses in, in HHS and, you know, were credible sources. Like now they have an opportunity to get back to work. So that, that was a big part of, um, you know, my optimism there. And then, like you mentioned, right, like the Black Sox sisters, like other voices that are coming up and, and being given that kind of credible platform, right? I mean, like, this is one of the things that I was really excited to see a lot more of these kind of, you know, groundswell and organic campaigns that really just kind of opened up conversations. I'll never forget, I think, you know, Diddy put together, you know, some sort of, you know, online event last year that just kind of had a number of people to just kind of, you know, break things down and just talk about the narrative on what's going on around, you know, the virus and the vaccine and things of that nature too. And so th- those are a little bit of things that that added to my hopefulness. And then, you know, from an industry perspective, right? Um, you know, um, you know, one of my friends, um, you know, recently, he he's a CEO, his name is Raman uh, Bastani out in Los Angeles. He's a CEO of Healthvana. And basically, they just launched a partnership with Google around um, COVID-19 vaccinations and tracking the data and really kind of creating um, a better framework and solution for outbound um, kind of delivery and things that nature and testing. And, you know, seeing that kind of innovation, this is why I'm in this space, because there's so many in- incredible people who are doing the work. And, you know, my job is to make sure that the team's um, have the right kind of people in place that can actually create a more equitable lens around the products and services that they're delivering. So that's kind of what I'm what I'm really hopeful about. You know what what kind of you know um, I'm still a little rattled around is you know the the whole aspect of you know kind of communication, right? You know now that we're living in an age where you know people can put anything together and then you know it, it's it's considered a gospel oftentimes, right? Uh, we've seen over the past few years just kind of the horrendous, you know, um, effects of miscommunication that are oftentimes very intentional and purposeful. And I feel like that's that's been a big issue um, for a while. And as, as we see, you know, things around the variants and things of that nature, too. What has me a little bit nervous is that I feel while there's, you know, vaccinated people, I think just kind of understanding how viruses work, right? <laughs> this is this is the piece that I, I almost went, you know, um, deep into, you know, virus kind of work um, in the public health landscape because there's an insidious kind of, you know, aspect to how this all works. Viruses um, in biology really don't care about the kind of brunch that you want to get back to, right? <laughs> if you're still creating um, activated hosts for them, the, the literal reason why viruses exist is to multiply and to continue to stay alive, right? So no matter what, uh, they don't care, <laughs> right? And so like, that's my my concern now that we're starting to see variants, but also, you know, um, you know, th- there's kind of this herd mentality around that let's, you know, let's jump back into normalcy, right? Let's get back into these conferences. Let's get back into these, you know, concerts. Not to say that we, you know, shouldn't feel like, you know, there's opportunities to do that. 
but I think, you know, um, from, from what I've just kind of seen there, there's, there tends to be sometimes like an over leaning into, um, you know, not caring. Right. And that's, that's a little bit of like what I'm just concerned about is making sure that we still stay vigilant because, you know, the, the Spanish flu, that was, you know, two years, but millions of people, millions still, um, died, you know? And so, you know, throughout history, pandemics just have not been great. Um, no matter, no matter what, right. No matter what kind of, you know, lives that we want to get back to, we got to get things done. So that's kind of what's, what's at the forefront of my head right now. But overall, Zach, like to be completely honest, I am hopeful just overall, like the, the people are stepping up. We have some voices in place that have not been in place before, and they're getting the credibility and platform that they need. And, you know, there's innovations, there's companies being built. And I I guess like maybe, maybe like what I'm looking forward to. I'm a big proponent of uh, the right people getting into entrepreneurship and building companies. Um, we, we can have a, a separate conversation about like the importance of ownership mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously from my lens right here, like as CEO of Onboard Health, I love supporting founders that are quote unquote, like non-traditional, right? And so this is one of the big reasons why I became a mentor at Backstage Capital. This is Arlen Hamilton's venture fund um, where, you know, her vision around underrepresented or underestimated, as she calls it, founders. I love, love, love being in this space right now and seeing, you know, more black and brown um, and, and, you know, LGBTQ plus community leaders kind of, you know, jumping into entrepreneurship and building relevant companies, right? Particularly in the health space. So, you know, Derek Reyes, they are the, the founder of Queerly Health in New York City. And Derek has really been leading the charge around uh, LGBTQ uh, health and access and things of that nature. And Derek has just been an amazing leader uh, in this space. And we, we actually did a panel last fall at the Rock Health Summit. And just being able to see leaders stepping up and saying, you know, this is a problem and I don't see anybody else doing anything. I'm going to do it. Right. It's, it's you. And so that's another thing that I'm, um, that I'm really curious about, like curious slash excited about is the fact that more people, and especially over the past 15 months, stepping into these roles of leadership and saying, you know what, I don't see it happening. That means it's me. And so, you know, being able to support founders, uh, uh, shouts to um, Eric Coley over at Ayana Therapy. I know we're talking about mental health, Kevin Dedner, Ashley Wisdom in in the Bronx in New York City, leading Health in Her Hue, um, where she's building a community of culturally competent, you know, physicians um, to take care of, you know, better needs for women of color, you know, um, and, and, and all those kind of different things. And so that's what really just kind of gets me excited about the future, even beyond hopeful, is that I'm excited about what's what's uh, being built. Man, I, I'm just I'm thankful that we're able to have you. You know, I want to I want to have you back and we could talk about about black founders. You know, I think it's so wild, man. Like the stuff I see out here, Andre, that gets money, right? Like the 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 businesses mm-hmm. or even just the ideas. I'm like, yeah. how did that get funded? Like, how did that? <laughs> and I'm gonna pick on. Yep. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name a brand, but I, but I'm gonna pick on. I'm gonna just pick on a space, which is the water space. Like, mm. like I'm like, yo, how did that bottled water? Like, who supported this? Like, why would y'all buy? <laughs> Like I, yeah, it blows yeah, me. I, it blows me. I'm like, how? Like, like who? Where is the funding coming from for these some of these ideas? And then like they get the funding, and then so many times you just don't hear about them again because they went under. 
man that that is a whole that is a whole podcast brother that i would love to get into um especially like in the healthcare or that or the kind of um snake oil health um i'll say that uh, phew, some some stories in there on um on on how people made money off of fear and uh apprehension um and so so that's a whole nother story but yeah i mean and this is this is what i what i love to get into is like how do we actually build stuff that gets funded and now we're starting to see you know whole new venture venture funds being built and stood up and i love that that you know arlen really kind of set the pace i think in a lot of different ways for how this gets done collab capital just raised a 50 million dollar venture fund um you know and and this is you know jewel burke solomon um, who actually sold her company to Google, um, and she's now leading, you know, Google for for entrepreneurs that whole program. And I think like there's a whole kind of renaissance that's going to be happening really soon that I'm excited about. Yo, uh, shout out to Arlen Hamilton. Uh, she's also been on the show. Appreciate her. She's welcome back anytime. Right, right. She is she is phenomenal. I'm a huge fan. Right, man. And, and I would love to get her booked into maybe like you know five readers or listeners hands and I don't know how we can make that happen, but don't play. Don't play. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm l- let's make it happen. Book, let's book, make it happen. Yeah. A book giveaway. I'm happy to just kind of like sponsor, like getting five. Let's just start with that and like getting those books into listeners hands because I mean, her story, I mean, it's, it's incredible. And now more and more people are kind of standing up with additional stories and whatnot, but like, let, let's make that happen for, for sure. Um, I, I believe that much in in the mission of of uh, backstage capital and all these other kind of new funds. So let's let's talk about that. That's dope, man. Look now, um, you talked about the fact that you're from the islands. <laughs> You've dropped a lot of a lot of gems on the pod, man. I just want to I got to give you the air horns one time. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it, brother. <laughs> um. Andre, man, before we let you go, man, any, any, any last words, any shout outs, any passing thoughts? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm about to, to visit my dad, who's the Jamaican and get some, some good, like curry goat, um, in a couple of weeks, but, <laughs> yes, um, yes. but yeah. And, um, let's see, man. I mean, do the internal work. I mean, and this goes out to, to all the listeners out here in our, in, in this community here. I mean, I, I've gone on such a journey these past few years, um, but nothing compounds and has the ROI than investing in yourself and, you know, mm. doing the work that you need to do, uh, whether that's therapy, um, whether that's just kind of doing, you know, taking a course. Um, but, you know, these are the things that are going to compound um, and nobody can take it away. And um, I don't know, that just was just kind of on my heart <laughs> for, for this next half yeah. of the year um is you know as you get better and as you invest in yourself um you, you'll see the returns on everything that you touch and so um that that's that's a personal anecdote from where where i've kind of grown and come from especially with this with this work here too um but yeah i mean happy to connect uh mind of andre on twitter onboard health uh, where we're on on twitter and linkedin and you know feel free to 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 reach out and connect if if anybody's interested in building the future of health with their skill sets. Um, that's exactly why we're here. Yeah. I So first of all, we're going to make sure we have all those links in the show notes. Perfect. I am thankful. And also just shout out to like, shout out to you as a black man, man. I'm, let me tell you, let me just, let me, <laughs> I get so exhausted <laughs> by the lack of support and follow through 
from Black Mirror Living Corporate. I'm, I'm gonna just tell you, man. I, I'm, I'm sick of it, man. I'm sick of it. I'm, I'm airing it out now. Like, right? It's like I got you. Yep. You've been helpful. Uh, Antoine Andrews, who happens to be my boss at Momentum now. Uh, Danny Guillory, uh, Dropbox. Wow. Yeah, Danny's the man. Um, Lonnie over at the Zillow yes. group, but. Oh man, I can probably fit all of y'all into a room, and it's been like three years. Um, you know, black women are out here outpacing y'all by a great deal. So if you're a black man and you're in some executive position, <laughs> I need you to step up. This is nuts. All right, goodness. So shout out, shout out to you. Yes, shout out to all. Yeah. Um, shout out to all my real ones. And uh, man, Andre. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling it's you, man. Like execution. Man. That's that's it execution having a personal code and that because you know we can't be out here talking about like you know folks need to pay attention and you know crickets are chirping when it's time to you know swing the bat you know what i'm saying and so that's why that internal work man i mean like you know accountability um and emotional intelligence i'm telling you like it it there's a lot there. So <laughs> but <laughs> listen, it's facts. It's facts, man. I yeah, man. So um look, we count you a friend of the show. We'll catch up with you, man. Now let's let's have you back on. Not too now, let's not wait too long. Absolutely, brother. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Zach. And um, I'll I'll be in touch. All right, man. Peace. All right, peace. Living Corporate is brought to you by the Leadership Range, a podcast within the Living Corporate Network. Hosted by globally certified and Fortune 500 executive coach and leadership development expert Neil Edwards, the leadership range is focused on having real, raw, soulful, and accountable conversations about inclusive leadership, allyship, professional development. Every week is a new episode with new learning and new actions to take on to grow inclusively. Make sure you check out the leadership range everywhere you listen to podcasts. And we're back. Yo, shout out to Andre Blackman. Shout out to all the work that Onboard Health is doing. And I thank you for listening to Living Corporate. Make sure you share this episode with a friend. Uh, Shout out to uh, the Black Stocks. Shout out to everybody because we shouted out a lot of people in that that conversation. Um, I really appreciate y'all. Thank you so much for rocking with us. Like I said, share this with a friend, share this with a colleague, share this with a relative. And uh, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. All right. Catch you next time. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.